Welcome to Everyday Pastor. Whether you have been a pastor for 40 years or four days, this space is for you. As a pastor, you spend your days encouraging and problem-solving for others, but where can you turn for sound advice on leading your church or keeping your family a priority? On this podcast, Phil Waldrop will connect you with his ministry friends to talk about the things your layman friends don't understand or can't relate to. We want to help ordinary pastors have extraordinary ministries. Let's dive in. Well, hey everyone, it's Phil Waldrop again with the Everyday Pastor Podcast, where we're helping ordinary pastors have extraordinary ministries. So glad you joined us. You know, as I have traveled these last few years in ministry, I have discovered that the relationship between staff members at a church today is probably not always the best. In one particular relationship, where I think pastors struggle is their relationship with the worship pastor, or in some churches still called the minister of music. And so today we are going to talk about the relationship between the pastor and the worship leader or minister of music. And we're going to be very specific about some areas that I think pastors can improve the relationship, in turn, improve their ministries, and especially the ministry of the church. You know, if you think about it, the pastor and the worship leader are the two people in every church that every member sees visually on a regular basis, and probably more than any other relationship uh, in the church and pastor. um, It's the one that if it's not doing well, people notice it. And if it is well, people notice it as well. And so today I want us to talk about that. And I've asked a good friend who has a unique perspective to join me. His name is Chip Coley. Currently, Chip is the Chief Administrative Officer for the Alabama Baptist Children's Home, but he's only been in that role a short time. And prior to that, for 25 years, he has been a minister of music. And since he now gets to be in lots of churches and see that role and have conversations both with worship leaders and with pastors, and he's been a music guy for 25 years, I am so glad that he joins us to talk about this today, talking about what every worship leader wished his pastor knew. Chip, thanks for joining us today. Man, Phil, thanks so much for the invitation. I have such respect for you and this ministry, and it's my privilege to uh, have the opportunity to talk a little bit today about uh, a really important subject. Well, I want to start by just talking about the relationship between pastors and worship leaders in general. We'll get down to some specifics in a moment, but I want to start out by talking about that. I am observing that in a lot of churches today, that relationship is not as healthy as it could be. Some of that may be due to what we call the worship wars, a difference in which direction the music wants to go. But what are you observing today? And maybe what do you see as the basis for that? Why, why is there a little disconnect today? Well, you've said some really important things. First, uh, I think that we fool ourselves as pastors or as uh, worship pastors if we think that our congregation is not noticing this relationship. Because as you pointed out, this is a very visible relationship because we are typically on the stage on Sunday at the same time. And so people are watching 
And so if the pastor makes a joke that maybe is not so much a joke about the worship pastor or vice versa, or if even if nothing said, if there are uh, visual cues that would give someone the idea that maybe the, the relationship is not strong and healthy, uh, I think that can have more of an effect on a church than one might realize. And so I think this is a really important thing to think about and to address. Now, I have been super blessed. As you know, Phil, I served uh, about half of that time with uh, uh, a really fine pastor uh, and then went to a different church and served with another really fine pastor. And so I've been really blessed to have uh, two pastors who are now my best friends. Uh, and so uh, I, I, I come from a, a vantage point of having seen a very healthy relationship between me and my pastor. And I'm very thankful for that. But I also, um, I, I spent some time doing some research in a degree program that I was in. And the topic that I settled on was we, we did a research project where we looked at uh, the correlation between the servant leadership characteristics of the pastor and the job satisfaction of the staff. And it was very interesting what we found because we, we, we had staff members rate their pastor's servant leadership characteristics. Then a separate survey, we surveyed those same staff people to find out how satisfied they were with their job, specifically their pay, their vacation time, their work environment, all the things. And what we found uh, pretty predictably was that if the, the staff member viewed their pastor as a servant leader, a Christ-like servant leader, they were much more satisfied in their job, even if some of those other circumstances like pay or vacation time or work environment, some of those could be lacking, but they were still more satisfied. And so I think there's some very important lessons we can take away from that about our relationship between the pastor and the staff. I know that personally, and I've seen that illustrated many times in churches. So yes, I think that is really important. And I think, um, I think it begins with um, a, a desire, frankly, just a very simple desire uh, to uh, to cultivate a healthy relationship between those two. And you say, well, that seems pretty uh, self-evident and obvious. Why would you even have to say that? Well, let's think about that. Ministry positions, we know uh, they're very demanding. They're very busy. And so we are constantly giving ourselves away to other people. Um, and we are, uh, the schedules can be very demanding. People are pulling at our time, our attention. Uh, we are not only pastoring at a church, but hopefully we're pastoring in our homes. And so we have our children, we have our spouse. There are lots of demands pulling at us. And so oftentimes I think we can uh, just inadvertently, um, we can forget that that is an, a relationship just like you wouldn't, uh, it's springtime, we're, we're planting our gardens and our tomato plants. We wouldn't just plant that plant and then leave it and hope everything works out okay. We're going to water and nurture that plant. Well, in the same way, we have to nurture this relationship. And so that takes effort. Again, I have been very blessed to work with two really great pastors who uh, I happen to have a lot of personal things in common with. And so that made it easy. I like the outdoors. I like to hunt. I like to fish. Both those guys enjoy that. And so we were able to have a lot of common ground, a lot of common interests. Um, but I've seen situations where even when that's not true, if the effort is there to build that relationship uh, through the work of the Holy Spirit, even when they're very different in personality, they can still find ways to relate to one another and certainly love and support one another. And again, 
I think that, uh, you know, I think about uh, Hebrews 12, you know, Hebrews 12, one and two, you see that great cloud of witnesses. And it says to, to throw off everything that hinders. And that word's always really jumped out at me. Throw off everything that hinders. The last thing we would want to do is hinder the work of the body of Christ. Mm. We would never want to do that intentionally or unintentionally. We don't want to hinder God's work. And yet when that relationship is not right, I don't think it's overstated, Phil, to say that that can hinder the work of the church because people get distracted by that. Suddenly, maybe they're taking sides in an issue that that really uh, oftentimes is not something very important at all. And so because that relationship is not nurtured and seen as an important one to cultivate, that can uh, that can distract us and hinder the work of Christ. Well, I want to take that a little further if I can, because one of the things as you talk about healthy relationship, you used a term. And one of the things I've learned with a lot of pastors is we never tell our friends this, but we often hear a term and we would say, oh yeah, that's me, but we really don't understand it. So I want you to take a moment to talk about what you mean when you say servant leader, because I think if I were to survey every pastor I know, they would all say they're a servant leader. So let's dig into that just for a moment. And then I want to come back to that relationship with the pastor and the worship leader and deal with a couple of things before we move on with what they want to know. But let's just for a moment, help people understand what we mean is a biblical servant leader, because we all think we're, we are a servant leader, but biblically, what do you see as a servant leader? And I'm assuming you are referring both to the pastor and to the worship leader as being servant leaders. Absolutely. I, I can't imagine us uh, taking uh, being called to a position in, as, a, as an under shepherd in a church at any level, at any role, whether it be a staff member, the senior pastor, and not have that as our goal to be a Christ-like servant leader. And of course, we know uh, that we have a beautiful picture of that in Philippians chapter two. This mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. What does it say? Made himself nothing. So this is not the way of the world. Uh, you know, I, I, I've read a lot of leadership books and there are a lot of great truths in a lot of those books. But what I've found is, Everybody wants to talk about servant leadership until they have to be a servant, until they mm -hmm. have to serve someone. And it's all it's all academic until we have to actually put our needs secondary to the other person's needs. And and I think it's so important for us to not only talk about that and not only serve our congregation that way, but what about serving each other that way? Doesn't that begin in the laboratory of our home, after all, serving our spouse, serving our children? Um and so, yes, I, I think you're hitting on, and I, I would just say, Phil, um, as, a, as a personal example, and again, I, I've been so blessed. I, I had the opportunity to work with my, my friend and my brother in Christ, Jay Wolf, who I believe you have interviewed for this very mm -hmm. podcast at some mm -hmm. point. Um, and and I, I'll tell this quick story. Jay would probably be embarrassed for me to tell this, but it's a true story. Um, we had done a Sunday, one of our typical busy Sundays. Jay preached the early service. Uh, he led a small group class between the two services, preached the uh, second service, the later service. And then we had a membership information class where people could come and learn more about the church. Jay taught that class and lunch was served. We finished the lunch. Jay was teaching, so he was not able to eat. So they made him a to-go box. He, he and I would both go home for a few minutes and then be back for afternoon activities. And then he would preach again 
in those days, uh, a full sermon on the Sunday evening. And I went out to my car. Everyone had left the parking lot. And I walked to my car and I looked up and there was nobody else where it was a parking deck and there was nobody else in the deck. There was one person, two people, two people, one car, one vehicle. And there was Jay, my pastor. He had taken that lunch and he had divided it in half. And he was sitting Mm -hmm. there on the ground with a homeless fella who didn't have anything to eat. And he was sharing his meal. Now, he didn't do that for show. There was nobody to see it. He had no idea that I was going to see that. And again, he would be embarrassed for me to tell that story today, but it's a true story. Now, is that to say that if pastors don't leave on Sunday and go share a meal with a homeless guy, they're not a a servant leader? I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that spoke volumes to me. Uh, Mm -hmm. He could he could talk about servant leadership. He could he could ask his staff to serve people that way all day long. But when I saw him living that out as an example, not just talking about it, talk is cheap. When I saw him living that way. It made me want to elevate my game. I didn't want to stop what I was doing. I was tired. I wanted to go home. What did that say? Well, he's, he's modeling the love of Jesus to that person. And maybe I, maybe I need to do a better job of doing that. And it, it, it really, um, I think when you, when you see a person, a pastor, you're a staff member, or it could have been the other way around. Maybe Jay saw me serving somebody in that way. Either way, I think that it, it, um, it does something in your spirit to make you want to serve that person even more. It's true in our marriages. Uh, when I do weddings, I always say, Let, let's try to outserve each other. Make that our goal. That not, not I'm going to get my way, not, not keep mm-hmm. score, but, but I'm going to outserve my spouse. And, and if we look at things that way, I think that relationship will be so much stronger. And we have such a model of that in the Lord Jesus. Why would we not take him as our model and model the servant mm-hmm. leadership that Christ lived out by laying down his very life for, for a sinner like me. What a blessing. That's a good word. We're going to circle back around to that relationship in a moment. But first, I want you just to open up your heart from your days as a minister of music. And even though you have had two wonderful pastors uh, that you referenced, men and I happen to know, uh, I also know there's been some days where there's been bumpy roads and your time as a minister of music. What are those four or five things? I mean, if you if you could sit down and talk to every pastor in the world and you get 30 minutes and they said, tell us those four or five things as a minister of music, speaking for all worship leaders, what do you wish every pastor knew about the worship leader and what he's feeling that can kind of help not only the relationship, but help the church? Well, there are several that come to mind. The, the first that I would mention, Phil, is I, I think um, there is a difference between communication and collaboration. So what I've seen is that sometimes, again, pastors have a demanding schedule. They're being pulled in a lot of different directions. And so uh, I think I have seen before where a pastor will do a good job of communicating. So they will communicate, here's the direction we're going. Maybe here are some sermon uh, directions that I'm going to be going in. Uh, But sometimes I think there is, there can be a communication uh, that says, here's what you need, leave me alone. And I think if we really want to collaborate, that's a different story. That means that there has to be some time spent together where I can hear the pastor's heart 
He can hear my perspective, and then we can collaborate together. And I think most worship pastors I know would prefer a collaborative working uh, relationship with their pastor. Now, again, that's challenging. Uh, There are busy schedules and there are reasons, but I think as a goal, we'd want to be collaborators, not just communicators. Uh, The communication is definitely the first step, and that's better than nothing, but I think we want to be collaborators. That would be the first observation I would make. Another one uh, would be just to be clear about what expectations are, Uh, being clear about uh, what, what do you like about the way the worship service is structured or the songs that we're using or the style or whatever it is uh, to be clear about that. And here's, here's what I've seen. In fact, I I actually ran into this at our office recently. Uh, We have a communication team that does a really good job and they publish a lot of things, whether it's print or uh, it could be all sorts of media, but they, they do video and, Mm -hmm. and, and because it's such a visible thing, Oftentimes it's easy to throw rocks. Uh, So let's say that they put out a beautiful magazine, lots of work has gone into it, and there's one word that's misspelled in that magazine. Well, as a senior leader in the ministry, uh, I could go to the person in charge and sort of point that out and say, there's a misspelled word in this magazine. Um, I think that's an easy target. But as a leader, if I back up and say, have I made my expectations clear about this project? And are are we together looking at what the priorities are? So maybe we need to make accuracy a bigger priority. So here's my point. If the, if the pastor says, Hey, after a worship service, Hey, I don't like that song. Don't ever sing that again. Well, that kind of stings a little bit. Maybe it needed to be said, but maybe instead of just that one piece, maybe we could have a broader conversation about, where is worship going to go in the next six months? And how could we do things that are more fit your preference, things that you don't like? Let's talk about that now on the front end, as opposed to taking a pot shot at one simple song in a service that might sting a little bit when you hear that. I think there are other ways, other ways to do that. And frankly, that kind of is related to, um, I think oftentimes worship pastors wish that, the, that they felt that the pastor trusted them a little more with the uh, understanding the rhythm of the church, understanding the pulse. I think sometimes they feel like uh, when the pastor gives maybe a criticism about a service or something like that, they may feel, you know, you don't trust that I also am listening and I also have a circle of friends in the church and I also have a, a beat on what the feeling is and just to disregard that can seem disrespectful, I think, and, and seem like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm also called to shepherd these people, too. And so to trust that, um, I think trust is a big deal uh, for that minister of music to know that my pastor trusts me. And um, oftentimes I think the pastor may trust, but it can come across as uh, in a moment like that, it can come across as I, I don't trust you. I only trust what I'm seeing rather than asking clarifying questions. Uh, maybe of the of the worship pastor, maybe the pastor could say, hey, tell me more. Why do you feel that way? Why do you sense that that's the direction we should be going? Who are you hearing from? What are you sensing? Uh, and get more of their input so that it's a trust relationship, a collaborative relationship. Um, I, I, I think that would I think that would be a big deal. Um, and then uh, I would just say that um, I think most worship pastors would want their pastor to realize how powerful it is 
when they participate and support what's going on in the music portion of the service. I have seen situations where uh, pastors, maybe in the worst cases, weren't even in the room, but I have seen cases where they were a little checked out maybe during, again, they've got to get up and preach. I get that. Uh, Maybe they're looking over last minute notes or whatever it is. But I think there is a real power to the pastor participating in that part of the service. The congregation will oftentimes follow the lead of the pastor, not of the worship pastor. They'll follow the lead of the pastor. And so uh, for the pastor to do that and closely related to that would be when the pastor takes a moment to show up. Uh, Our pastor does this at the church I attend now, you know. Uh, so if we're preparing for Easter, let's say, and we have a special rehearsal on Saturday for that pastor to show up at that rehearsal and say, man, this is so important. I, you know, I'm praying for you. I appreciate what you're, what you're putting into this. That really means a lot, not only to the, the worship pastor, but to the choir, the, the band, the orchestra, all the people involved. Um, and then finally, Phil, I would say one big one here, uh, would be, Let's let's just use an example where uh, the pastor decides on Friday uh, that he needs to change directions a little bit in, in, the, in the way he wants to close the service or uh, some song in the service. And so he goes to the worship pastor and says, hey, I need to make a change in the service. Well, uh, that's going to happen. And everybody knows that's going to happen. Now, I, I would argue that probably shouldn't happen every week, but but it's going to happen. And we know that. I think a lot of times if the if the pastor could just at least acknowledge that uh, this is not a simple thing he's asking. There are other people who have, who have to be contacted by the worship pastor. So the worship pastor has to contact uh, several different people to make sure that there's no glitch in the service now because you're making a last minute change in the, in the order of service. Uh, it's not that the change can't be made. It's just that there are multiple people in, in larger churches, multiple teams of people who have to be notified to make that kind of change. And this is this is where I think just language could make a big difference. An extra 30 seconds to a minute to say to that worship pastor, hey, I know this is a lot to ask. And I know that you've got plans this weekend. And that's going to mean you've got to call some people on Saturday and track some things down. But it, this is why this would be really important to me. If we could make this change, that's a different posture than sort of flippantly saying, hey, I want to change that song. Mm-hmm. You're my boss. I'm going to do it. But, wow, it feels like you don't really understand what I'm what I'm going to have to do to make that happen. So just that little bit of getting on on uh, on ter- on their turf and sort of understanding what they're doing. And, and, and I would say to that, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions. Get to know that guy and find out. Ask that worship pastor. Hey. When we do make changes like that, what does that tell me who you have to tell me how that how that works? You know, let me understand the process so that as the more you understand each other, I think the more you can give each other grace. And really, isn't that what it all comes down to is just offering a little grace to each other and assuming the best, not the worst in each other and nurturing that relationship so that there's lots of trust um, and assuming the best about each other. I think I think that's real key. Those are all, that, that's just powerful insight into everything that you just shared that's going to help pastors if they process it. Now, I do want to address one thing because you keep using the word trust. And I remind people often 
you know, uh, forgiveness can be forgiven in a moment, but trust is earned over time. And so we don't walk into a relationship and maybe we give them the benefit of the doubt, but trust has to be earned. But here's a problem that I see a lot of times either on the side of the pastor or the side of the, the worship leader because of past experiences where they were hurt. A worship leader was hurt by a pastor who told him one day, everything is great. You're doing a great job. And the next week they fired him for no apparent reason at all. Or on the other side, the pastor really tried to have a relationship with a worship leader and uh, the worship leader didn't reciprocate. And I hear that quite often where it's a little bit like what we hear when we're talking to a couple that's having marital problems. One feels like I'm going to the nth degree and nothing is, is coming my way and being reciprocated. What do you say to the pastor who is struggling with a worship leader who basically doesn't want to collaborate or doesn't want to have that relationship? What is the best way for him to address that both scripturally and practically when there's a little bit of a breakdown, maybe because the worship leader has had a bad experience in the past. Yeah, of course. I I think you're hitting on a basic truth that uh, oftentimes we see that hurt people hurt people, right? So Mm -hmm. someone's been hurt. And so they're going to maybe. uh, So I think there's first, I I think um, the obvious that, that both, uh, both have to be walking with the Lord. Uh, mm-hmm. Both have to be in the word, praying, seeking to be a Christ-like servant leader. There has to be a heart of humility. Uh, I think all those basic things have to be in place or else it's just not going to work, frankly. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that has to be in place. But beyond that, I think there are some practical things. Um, you know, I've seen situations. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a curious George by nature. Uh, Phil, you and I have traveled together. You know, I'm like you. I'm, I'm curious. Uh, I, I have lots of interests. Um, so my life has not been defined by being a musician. I, I'm proud that I'm a mm-hmm. musician and I love music, but I have lots of other things I'm interested in. I have seen situations where, um, uh, and sometimes I understand why, the pastor may see that person as just the front man uh, the, the ringmaster on Sunday morning, he's, he's, I don't really understand all that music stuff. I don't know what he's doing, but as long as he doesn't catch the church on fire, then mm-hmm. he can just keep doing what he's doing. And I think there has to be some level of hum- humble interest to say, this is a relationship worth cultivating. And I've got to, maybe the pastor has to take the first step there in humility, even though he's busy, if, if it's, if it's worth it to, to uh, build that relationship into a strong, flourishing relationship, then I think he may have to invest. And, and there's really no way around it. Some of that is time. Some of that is simply uh, a breakfast or a lunch or um, finding some opportunities to, uh, on a sunny day when everybody's on an even level uh, plane, to have some nice conversations about something other than church. And that's something that, again, I've been so blessed um, to be able to have phone calls and texts and uh, interchanges where we may spend uh, 30 minutes talking and, and not much of it has to do with church at all. Mm-hmm. It's just, how's your family? 
what did your son do on the baseball field last week? What, uh, what's your daughter doing? And, and it, that takes time. As you said, you're not going to build that overnight, but I mm-hmm. think that relationship is worth it. And, and you, you, you've got to make some time, first of all, for that. It won't happen easily. And then I think you have to get them on um, a less defensive posture. So you're going to have to find ways to um, uh, uh, emphasize the things they're doing well. Uh, Maybe don't hone in on those uh, pet peeve things right at first. Maybe build some trust and then find ways to coach up some of those areas that are a little weaker. But again, I think it's so worth it. to do that, uh, to, to dig down and, and cultivate that relationship. I do want to say, though, Phil, um, you know, one of the thoughts I had as I thought about what we were going to talk about today was maybe it would be wise for the pastor to sit down with his worship pastor and listen through this podcast, maybe together. And what are Good some idea. of your take? Yeah. What are your, some of your takeaways as the worship pastor? Here's what I'm hearing. Uh, and here's how I think we may could apply this to our relationship. What are you what are you hearing? I'd like to know how you see this. And, you know, the, the pastor has to realize uh, ultimately he's he's been called there as the pastor and he's the boss. And at the end of the day, the buck stops there. And so if he wants that guy to be honest with him as his worship pastor, he's going to have to diffuse that a little bit and give him the the platform to be able to be honest. You know, it. It, it's true in any leadership uh, situation, but certainly with pastors and, and worship pastors or, or staff, oftentimes if the pastor expresses something about the service, let's say, the worship pastor may wonder, is that an instruction or is that an opinion? Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's not clear. So I think clarity, we talked about clear expectations. Are you giving me a suggestion? Or are you giving me an instruction? And so if you can if you can find ways, again, on on bright, sunny days when everybody's on the same level and everybody's happy, find some ways to create those conversations where it's not about something controversial. Find something you can talk about and find some common ground and build some trust and build some relationship. And then I think from there, you'll have opportunity to coach up and to talk about things maybe that could be improved and whatnot. I want you to address something that I think a lot of pastors need to hear from someone who's been in music. I don't know of anything in church life today where everyone has an opinion more than the music we sing in church. Even if it's in the same style of music and we're all on the same page, there will be someone who says, well, you sing this song too much. You don't sing this song enough. Or I don't think this person should be singing. I think this person's... Everybody, everybody, even if they don't have a music background, has an opinion about the music in the church. This is what some pastors need to hear. How important or how should a pastor handle when people are being very critical of the worship leader, either if he agrees with what he's doing or disagrees with what he's doing, how important is it for the pastor to privately and publicly support his worship leader in what he is doing? Well, if, if that pastor cares about that worship leader as a person, number one. Number two, if that pastor values uh, the God doing everything with that church that he wants to do, then it is paramount. You are, you are saying something that is very, very important. And I tell you, Phil, what that makes me uh, think about 
is something that happened during COVID. Now, I was, I was at the children's home. I was not serving a church during that time. But multiple uh, friends, uh, some have served as interns with me, some young worship pastors that I know that, that I sort of encourage and help. Several of them said to me during COVID, and this was really an interesting observation, they said that when COVID happened, you had a lot of the other staff ministers who suddenly they really couldn't do their job. I mean, they, there was nobody at the church building. So the children's pastor is scrambling. The, the student pastor is scrambling. The youth, the youth pastor, the children's pastor, the, the preschool workers. I mean, the senior the worship, adult pastor. Yes, sir. But the worship pastor, the worship pastor and the pastor, they knew what they were going to do. They were going to figure out a way to make Sunday morning happen, whether it be on uh, Zoom or maybe they were going to do it outside. They were going to figure out a way to make this work. And so the job of the minister of music, the worship pastor, actually doubled or tripled overnight. And some of those other staff members, ministers were still trying to figure out exactly what that was going to look like for obvious reasons. Well, here's the here's the comment that I heard very often during that time from worship pastors. You would have staff meeting over Zoom and the staff meeting turned into an armchair quarterback session about the worship service because those other staff guys, they, they were trying to figure out what they were going to do. I said, guys, guys and girls, they're sitting around the table and all they know is they watch the live stream and they have some opinions about that. And they said, you know, I thought that part was pretty bad. And really the sound was terrible here. And this song could have been different. So they're tearing the worship service apart and the worship pastors feeling like, man, I'm the punching bag here and I'm the only one who's working. What, you know, so it was very defeating for those guys. They felt very discouraged by that. Now, the opportunity the pastor has in a situation like that is to step up and, uh, and I wouldn't even say defend the worship pastor as much as support. You know, he, he's in that battle with him. And so, man, I, I would say use that as an opportunity to support that, that worship pastor. And, you know, now, um, I have, I know that I've had pastors, um, who have, have done that for me. They've run interference when Ms. Jones didn't like the song we sang. Um, and, and, you know, uh, I would say there were, there might've been times, there probably were times that I deserve the criticism, honestly. And yet, uh, I, I think I always sensed that those guys had my back, that they, they were going to protect me. And that's very important if you want to build trust in that relationship. It's very important that I know that that pastor's got my back and that he's going to support me no matter what. Well, I have one final question for you, and it's not really related per se to what we're discussing today, but it is the number one question I get from pastors today. So I'm going to pose it to you related to worship leaders. Where can we find a good worship leader? You know, maybe, you know, the previous worship leader has gone to another church. Uh, there's a volunteer in the church and sometimes pastors to try to find that right fit for their church. They're really struggling to find those. I had a conversation recently with a pastor who's been looking for two years and he's at a fairly large church because he realizes if I get the wrong person, it's like marrying the wrong person. And I, I don't want to, that to happen. And he's found some wonderful people. And he would say they're very gifted. They're just not the right fit for our church. So how does a pastor find a good worship leader 
that is a good fit. What are some things you have observed outside of just waiting for people to send you resumes? What are some things that you have observed that really works well when pastors are looking for a worship leader? Well, you know, I've I've told a lot of pastor friends, uh, if I had a magic bullet to answer that question, uh, I I would I would put a price on it because uh, it's tough. It's a tough it's tough. But uh, I think, first of all, uh, I would say to that pastor that nobody is better than wrong body any day of the week. So I'd say be very careful if you feel yourself getting into the mode of I've just got to find somebody, I would say that nobody is better than wrong body. Because if you get the wrong fit, um, you're going to pay for that. And it's not it's going to hurt that person and their family. It's going to hurt your church and it's going to ultimately hurt the kingdom's work. And you don't want to do that. So I would I would would say if you have to prolong the interim period and make it work, do that if, if at all possible. First thing. The second thing is, uh, I think um, we want to we want to find a person who not only fits the culture of that church, um, but we want somebody who is intimately walking with the Lord. Um, there are lots of talented people out there. There are people who can play instruments well. They can sing well. We're looking for somebody who is going to be a pastor to our people, and um, I, I, again, I don't think there are magic bullets to finding that person. Uh, I do think, uh, it's hard work and that's true with any hire. If you're going to do it right. And what I found, uh, oftentimes I see where a leader who's looking for someone like that, um, it becomes, it's, it's number one or two on their to-do list the first week. Then as it drags out, it becomes number three, number four, number five. And, and you can't let that happen. This is critically important. And you have to keep it up at the top of the priority list, which means uh, in our day to day, man, you can you can find about any size church, anybody, you can watch them online. And so I would get online and I would start watching. I would watch and watch and watch to find people that look like they fit what you're looking for. Um, do your due diligence, ask lots of questions. Um, uh, you know, network with people, ask, 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 ask. And, and again, you're a busy person. I get it. Like you, 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 you've got a lot going on, but if you let that slip down the priority list uh, and you end up compromising and hiring quickly, uh, there could be a high price to pay for that. I do not mm-hmm. recommend that, but I, I don't think there's, you know, unfortunately um, for whatever reasons uh, it is very difficult. I get a lot of those calls too, Phil, and it's, it's mm-hmm. difficult to find, uh, the right fit. And, and I think, you know, I often wonder, do we have to take a little bit of, do we have to share a little bit of the, of the blame there? You know, we, we've, uh, we've beat a lot of these guys up pretty good in the church, mm-hmm. uh, because of the worship wars and finding ways to criticize the worship guy for the fact that I don't like that song or I don't like that music. Um, you know, I don't know overall if that's fair to, to, to blame, uh, that partly, but, um, yeah. And if you find if you do find the guy who is the fit, uh, man, uh, treat that person well. I mean, support them uh, right. and, and give them the tools they need to do their job well and pay uh, them well, pay them well. Exactly. Yeah. Respect them. Show them show them uh, honor, because I think you'll be glad you did. Phil, I, I want to say uh, I assume we're getting ready to wrap up and I, mm. I just wanted to 
it's okay. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention, we've, we've talked a lot to pastors today, and uh, I thought about for worship guys who may be listening to this, um, they, they share responsibility in this relationship too. And having been a worship pastor for those years, I just would say, um, first of all, I would say if, if you want to be respected by your pastor, just double check yourself and make sure you're being respectable. Um, mm. Be on time. You know, when there's a meeting, be on time for the meeting. Uh, when he asks you to be prepared to do something, be prepared. Do, do your work. Work hard. When you walk into a room of people, read the room. Adjust to the room. Don't embarrass your pastor. Um, I would just, you know, as crass as this may sound, don't say stupid stuff. Uh, don't do things where your pastor's got to come behind you and clean up a mess because you did or said something that was out of bounds. Don't pretend to be somebody you're not. Be yourself. Um, be trustworthy. Live with unquestioned integrity. Do those basic things. If you want to be respected by your pastor, be respectable. Make sure. Check yourself. Don't just blame your pastor. Another thing I would say to a worship pastor who may be listening is the old thing of you can't take people where you haven't been. So if you're going to mm -hmm. lead worship and you're going to want that relationship with your pastor, you need to spend time with the Lord. You need to walk with him. You need to cultivate habits of personal worship and a love for his word. Know who you are in Christ and live like that. That's mm -hmm. very important. Another thing I would say is be fluent in multiple relational languages. Don't just speak music. You know, some of those guys, you, you, You've, you've spent a whole lifetime, and it, it's understandable. You've spent a lifetime honing your craft, but man, find some other interests. Find maybe, how about this? Find out what your pastor's interested in. What, what does he like to talk about? What does he like to do? And mm -hmm. spend some time learning about what he likes. And maybe that will help you connect more with your pastor. And then finally, and this is really important to the worship pastor, I would say you are not the senior pastor. Respect his authority. Remember that God ordained authority. It starts as basic as the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay, there, there, you, if you're not comfortable as the worship pastor, if you're not comfortable in the second seat, then maybe you should, maybe you should be a senior pastor, but you're not the senior pastor of that church. And if you want to be an effective leader, respect him, build a bridge of relationship to him. And pray that God would allow the two of you, that, you're, that God would weld your hearts together so mm -hmm. that the church would see that unity. And then they would use that as their model of unity so that, John 17, so that the world would know. That's the point. We're, we're not in this to win anything. We're trying to build a body of Christ so mm -hmm. that we can build the kingdom of God on this earth. We don't have time for the distraction of not getting along with each other. So I'd say to both the worship pastor and the pastor, mm -hmm. this is critically important. It's worth your time and energy and effort. Get to know each other, love each other, support each other. And in humble, Christ-like humility, be willing to say, look, I don't have all the answers today, but I'm committed to this relationship. And mm -hmm. I want us to be connected to one another through Christ. Good word. You know, I, I tell sometimes when pastors say, my worship guy and I, we can't find any common ground. And I said, well, you can at least pray together at least have a disciplined time when you pray together and let, let the relationship grow from that. Well, I tell you, Chip, what you have shared today has been so rich. I've made a lot of notes here, and I got to tell you, it's really been good. And my prayer for the pastors who are listening and the worship leaders who are listening is that that relationship can be healthy, it can be spiritual, 
And when it is, I, I think one of the most powerful forces that the Spirit of God uses in churches is when the pastor and the worship leader and the whole staff, for that matter, is on the same page, pulling together. And when that happens, there's not only unity in the church, but God does some just impossible things because we are together as a staff and particularly worship and the pastor, the worship leader and the pastor being together. So thanks so much for being with us. Please tell your family hello for us. You got a great family. I didn't, I didn't say this, but your son, Christopher is one of those examples. He now serves on the music staff at the first Baptist church in Houston, Texas. And to watch him from a young man to now, and to watch how he has just matured and grown and leading worship. And uh, so a lot of this stuff you have said today, I know you have instilled with him, in him because it's very evident. So thank you. thank you, Chip Coley, so much for being with us today. Thank you, Phil. Thank you for listening to Everyday Pastor. Our hope is that this conversation will be a resource to you both personally and professionally as you navigate the high calling of leading a church. For more information on today's topic, a list of related resources, or information about today's guest, please visit everydaypastor.info. Don't forget to subscribe to Everyday Pastor so you don't miss an episode, share it with your friends, and follow at Phil Waldrop on Instagram for podcast updates.